tried to be fair to you creatures. Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll... No, not the buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. Yes, I know the Muffin Man. Who lives on Drury Lane? Well, she's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! Donkey, 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 donkey. Speaking of All taints. Right. Speaking of taints, welcome to Midweek Matinee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's going in the show. Just continue. <laughs> Your weekly movie podcast where we get together. Normally, four of us. Sometimes three of us. Like last, like last week, uh, Josh. So, sorry about your internet problems, but it seems like you've at least gotten them fixed now. Uh, my condolences. Yeah, I, I had to defeat the giant monkey man in the ninth dimension to get my internet service mm. restored, but it was all worth it. Oh, oh sounds like you did Monkey Madness too in old school RuneScape. So good for you, man. I really that's that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> did you get diamond armor? Your... <laughs> I, I didn't. Regrettably, well, I don't know what any of the words you guys are saying mean. Uh, it's Other like Spanglish. You diamond know, armor. Because I did buy it's an amalgamation of a bunch of different <laughs> <laughs> nerd Sorry. languages. Anyway, uh, this week, uh, as you may have known if you did listen to last week's episode, I chose the phenomenal hit classic Shrek, a 2001 <laughs> animated movie by DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if us? for some crazy reason you have never seen Shrek, what is wrong? With turn you? this podcast off. Go watch it. Come back and then listen to Chris ask what the fuck is wrong. Yeah, with this is an Shrek adult. dies at the end. This is a podcast for adults, and if you haven't seen Shrek, you are a literal fetus. So you should stop watching. You should stop listening to this show. All right. So with that said, though, real talk. If you've never seen Shrek, go check it out, and then come back to the show, and you can uh, join in the festivities, as it were. Uh, but with me this week, as per usual. I'm going to start off with my boy Josh since he was missing last week and I've already referenced him. So, Josh, how you been, buddy? You been doing good? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you yelling? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say, man. Yeah, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Hey, look, is, is your dog healthy these days? Uh, yeah, she's good. She, uh, she likes to bark at light refractions that happen in the afternoon when all the light comes Mm. in through the windows. And, uh, if I don't like put my phone in the window where it'll like refract some light, she'll just bark at me and wait for me to do it. So (laughs) (laughs) she's like, what the fuck, dude? You know the game here. What are you doing? It's four o'clock. Where are my refractions? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, animals are crazy. When I was going to try and watch Shrek, like almost two minutes after turning it on, it was still in the intro where it's going through, like, you know, the hey, now you're an all star. <laughs> Hell yeah. But my cat is just a 13 year old cat just running through the house with my daughter's <laughs> house shoe, meowing like she's never, like, like humans don't exist. She's been alone in the woods with this fake baby that she's carrying around. <laughs> hey, she it's, loves Smash Mouth. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. She was trying to sing along to it. But that leads me to Mr. Blake. How are you doing this week? I'm doing very good. How are uh, you doing? Awesome. You know what? I'm I'm doing good. That lastly puts us to the man, the myth, the hopefully someday writer, Mr. Chris Figgs. How are you doing, oh. buddy? Hey, now. How are you? Hey, now. You're a rock star. Oh, um, this guy's the show yeah. on. 
yeah let's get paid <laughs> please please sponsor this episode someone oh my god audible we did a whole free ad for you last week come on <laughs> we won't ad. even ask for back pay uh but uh yeah so i guess the the quick and easy way to start this thing off the right way is before we start i just have has everyone seen this movie prior to today yeah of course oh, yeah. no okay because if we hadn't are you serious no i have (laughs) (laughs) okay now here's the thing there will undoubtedly be people who grew up in a household where for some reason they just did not get a chance to watch this as a child or as a teen or whatever so with that being said of course we're joking go check the movie out if you haven't if definitely if it looks like it's something up your alley i do think it's personally a really great movie we'll get into that in a little bit uh but starting off and kind of just getting a feel for what everybody had for the movie uh, i'm gonna go in the order i started with josh coming back to this movie i don't know when's the last time you've watched it prior to this time but how'd you feel about it yeah man um so i was obsessed with this movie as a kid uh mm. there was as as most kids were <laughs> <laughs> hopefully uh th- there was a period where like i didn't like I-, I had my own library of like vhs tapes and i had like maybe eight movies it was like the star wars trilogy like the wallace and gromit trilogy <laughs> uh i had like the iron giant and i had fucking shrek and there was like a whole summer where like every morning i'd wake up and just be like i kind of feel like watching shrek again and i had watched it for like three weeks straight um but yeah so i I, there was a period where i had like every single line of dialogue memorized from just Mm. having it drilled into my uh not fully formed child brain and uh, how much of that came back naturally when you were watching it now uh regrettably not as like I, i remembered all the scenes but i couldn't have like said them along while i was watching them so I was a little disappointed that I didn't have some like <laughs> uh, super trivia sense for the dialogue, but um, I th- I think I've learned something about myself. I've watched this movie way too many times. My wife walked in and said, "I don't even know why you're watching this movie again. I know you know every line of the movie." <laughs> <laughs> and really, I would. It's been probably a year since I've last watched it, like in, in full and earnest. It's been on here and there because my daughter does like the movie mm-hmm. uh, as well. So. In doing that, you know, I I knew a, a good good bit of the dialogue and would say it along with the movie. Uh, <laughs> but that's awesome, man. I actually had a very similar situation as being that kid where you have like, you feel like you have that agency to choose what you have because you just have a little stash of movies. And it's like, these are mine. Mm-hmm. I get to choose and do what I want to with them. Uh, so I had, some, I had a couple of VHS movies. Uh, and actually, this was one of them because I was talking with my wife. I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember that the difference between the VHS and the DVD of this movie was that at the VHS, if you kept watching past the credits it would start the swamp sing-along thing that you could just mm-hmm. listen to yep. i was like of course on the dvd it was there you could just find it in the menu and go to it so i was like you know you'd have to watch the movie all the way through and i was like i would always sit through the credits Same. i wouldn't even fast forward just so i could do the whole <laughs> <laughs> don't go change it <laughs> I, I remember all of that way too well it's an yeah, underrated it like song, song. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> shout out to that fucking uh, karaoke dance party thing, by the way, because it could have been tacky and just not good, and it was actually kind of a banger. 
Dude, it fit perfectly with the style of the movie. Mm-hmm. It made sense for the movie. It, I really, I remember thinking that as a kid too. There's only one other movie that really comes to mind that had, and I don't even remember the actual name of the movie if it says anything. I just remember it was before one of the Muppets movies <laughs> that there was like a when when you went to go watch the movie. There was a Muppets cover of Aruba, Jamaica. I don't even actually know the name of that song. I guess Kokomo. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, And I remember that incredibly well. Uh, But yeah, going into that, I had the very similar situation with this movie, uh, Joe Dirt. I also had that with one of my all-time favorite movies. And I I can't even argue that it's actually a good movie, but I love it to death so much that my brain won't let me say that it's not a great movie. Uh, but the the new guy with DJ Qualls. Oh, my God. I fucking I love, love that, movie. that movie. It's so good. And Very similar, similar to Shrek, situation. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but if you kept... If you, very similar to Shrek in one particular way. If you kept watching the VHS the after dick. it was done... <laughs> <laughs> broken dick. Everybody knows. Shrek had a broken dick. Whole movie. <laughs> subplot that they uh that they unfortunately had to cut for the theater version but uh you know we watched that extra special director's cut the rob zombie cut (laughs) the snyder uh, cut of shrek (laughs) the new guy had uh, a music video for simple plans um Mm. i'm just a kid or whatever Mm. so yeah have y'all never seen that movie josh and chris the new guy no oh my god God. Dude, we're choosing that soon. Oh, I love man, that movie. So <laughs> uh, but anyway, not trying to ramble. So that's awesome, Josh. Uh, so go- going back into, so you, you enjoyed it essentially. Coming back to it, was it refreshing to get to watch it again? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I've th- there's been a fuck ton of like video essays and different like uh, informational videos that have come out about like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff about this movie that I've found super interesting. Just because I love like weird making of trivia. So mm-hmm. having that plus like the the nostalgia for it, it was pretty cool to watch this and find that like uh, I, I think it holds up really well. And there's a lot that I got out of it uh, this time around since I haven't watched it in a long time uh, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have gotten when I was younger. So uh, yeah, all okay. around it was uh, I'm fucking stoked that this movie still holds up. One, That's awesome, man. One bit of trivia I, too is they couldn't get the green paint off of Mike Myers' face for like two years after making the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right blake so swinging back around to you mr sarcasm um what what you got what you, did you like the movie i see that you uh I, sneak peek of course i got i did see blake's rating ahead of time but Uh-oh. as we talk about in this show all the time ratings can change due to conversation so uh what you think yeah for it? sure i really like this movie i grew up on it as well had the vhs and then the dvd um so i knew going into it like i couldn't quote every bit of it or anything but i knew pretty much beat for beat what like the whole movie or whatever but um i watched it with my daughter as well and this was her first time seeing it and Mm. we don't really live like a you know we don't do fairy tales like in this house like we don't not against fairy tales but we just like don't have books about like the three blind mice and like pinocchio and all that stuff well, I'd say that really they've kind of fallen out of favor with yeah, new, you know for sure. So yeah, definitely. So and we watch Disney stuff a lot, but like the older Disney stuff we don't own because their mm-hmm. movies are just kind of outrageously priced. So yeah, until Disney Plus, we didn't really have a whole lot of access to the older Disney stuff. So I know I know my daughter's seen some of it here and there, but watching it with her, like a lot of the jokes went over her head like my favorite scene to kind of skip ahead to the scene discussion is the gingerbread scene 
<laughs> and that went completely over her head because she had no idea who the gingerbread man was. So yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but um, okay, yeah, that, that's interesting for sure because I, I noticed like you know my daughter what she does she's all into being a Disney princess right now, uh, yeah. and I think that because she's younger than your daughter if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, mine's nine. Yeah, so she's five. So she's really into being a Disney princess right now. And since she's young enough with all this going on that she really, when Disney Plus came out, she was like, I want to watch Cinderella because she's never fully seen Cinderella. And she's like, well, I want to watch Snow White because she'd never fully seen Snow White. So she's really into it right now. So she was watching along with me and she was cracking up left and right. Like she got a lot of the references, not all of them, mind you, but she got more than I expected. And that was kind of interesting because not only from her age, I didn't expect references to quite land with her the same way. Sure. Uh, but a lot of them did. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, hmm. she she's big on like Snow White and Cinderella. So she got like the more, I guess, mainstream ones, I guess, you know, but the three <laughs> yeah. blind mice, especially. I was like, you don't know that song? And she's like, no. And like rolled her eyes at me. I'm like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but um, if yeah. anything, it tells you what we, it, it goes to show you things that generationally get phased out without even paying attention almost. Yeah, know? for sure. I do think that when Scorsese said Marvel movies aren't cinema, this is what he was referring to. Oh, absolutely. Shrek is the the, the peak of cinema. Agreed. <laughs> so really, though, one of the curious things about you going into this is I had a feeling that from, from even what we said last week, it seemed like you had seen this before. Oh, yeah. So I was like, well, I know he can watch it again, but I was a little interested in how you'd feel on it because of the fact that you tend to exist in that, at least as an adult, as you've kind of moved on, you don't spend as much time watching uh, animated movies. Sure. So when you have that kind of going in, I was wondering, like, even though you've seen it before, is the nostalgia enough to kind of carry you through? I think or so. Was it, you know, or, or I guess how painful of an experience was it for you? No, it wasn't painful at all. Um, yeah, I think because it helps also that it's kind of like a parody movie. Mm-hmm. So like that is kind of like. I don't know, it connected with me more than something like Spirited Away, which I also didn't grow up on Spirited Away. So, you know, the nostalgia might play a huge part in it. Yeah, I think nostalgia is really hard to separate from stuff. Like, you know, going back to what I was talking about, the new guy, and even this movie, there's so much, they're, they're so part of who I am in a lot of, in a really crazy way. It sounds like a weird thing to say about two vastly different movies, but well you're it's, big and green are. and you have a broken dick so i get it exactly <laughs> yeah so but really it is it's surprising that movies can stick with you and form your sense of humor in such a way that like when you go back and see them like when i watch both of those movies a kind of spoiler here i i have a impossible even trying to be objective like today it was really really impossible for me to just separate nostalgia because like i'm just watching them and i'm just like these are perfect movies there's nothing there's absolutely in my mind because I've watched them both so many times throughout yeah. my entire life and I've ref- I reference them constantly. Mm-hmm. Me, I, me and my wife do references from all sorts of stuff. Joe Dirt, all my childhood movies that when I watch them, if someone's like, I don't like that, like, it's fine. I don't get mad, but my brain just can't fathom how someone doesn't like it yeah. because it's, <laughs> it's, it's so cemented into who I am and part of my growing up experience. So. Yeah, I was just curious how much nostalgia was able to pull you through it and if you enjoyed it, which, like you said, the parody nature of the movie kind of makes it hit differently anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I really all right, well, that, Yeah, that leads us on to Chris. Chris. Oh. 
I uh, see that you rated. I see your rating as well. I won't spoil what it is, but yes. What what do you what do you think? Uh, I, I love. You seemed excited last week, so I was very excited. Uh, Shrek, Shrek is a near perfect movie, honestly, and I think I love Shrek. I think it was interesting because I was uh, I was playing Destiny Two for some godforsaken reason. Yeah, one of my <laughs> one of my really close friends. I hate that game. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, Damn. <laughs> but I was playing it with one of my buddies, and I'm like, listen, I have 30 minutes to do this Nightfall because I have to go watch a movie to record the podcast. And he's like, all right, whatever, and we're doing the Nightfall. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go watch Shrek. And I'm like, listen, I'll come back a little later. I can't imagine our conversation on Shrek is going to be too long. And he's like, oh, I'm going to watch Shrek. That's a good fucking idea. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Like, people just like Shrek. Shrek's a dope-ass movie. And I yeah, think it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just excellent. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm glad that we are at least coming to, from the base standpoint of enjoying the movie. Uh, from there, I, I mean, it's kind of feel free to open up discussion. I think the first thing I'm going to kind of say is stemming off of Chris's last statement there, and that Shrek is just a fantastic movie. It's it's kind of a weird thing where I feel like Shrek is one of those flash in the pan movies where the first movie is so good and so perfect that trying to follow it up is really hard to do Mm -hmm. but of course when you're dreamworks in 2001 and every movie you've kind of done up to this point has not really stuck and been what you wanted it to be which is essentially just competition for disney then whenever you put out this monstrosity of a monolith that ends up being shrek and not only is it their most successful movie at the time by a large mile, <laughs> uh, it's also riffing on their competition, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a cool time for a trivia. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the guy who is one of the co-founders for DreamWorks, actually used to work at Disney mm-hmm. and got skipped over for promotion. So he left and decided to be a big competitor for them. And I find it funny that I think the first movie that legitimately competed with Disney and also moved animation forward in a way that Disney used to be one of the only people to do was a movie that was entirely about shitting on Disney. (laughs) (laughs) And and the way that Disney chooses to play out their tropes, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, with that said, though, essentially, I think that Shrek is the story of something that was expected to have a follow-up due to its success. But I think every follow-up got progressively worse. And it's weird that you essentially have like the temple that I consider Shrek to be. Mm. Then you have Shrek 2, which is a pretty earnest follow-up that's really good. And then you just kind of have the rest that they exist. They're not terrible. They're not great. They are well animated. But they just don't strike any kind of home the same way that one definitely does and two has a moments of, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. They had a lot of good movies before Shrek. All of their movies before Shrek were good except for one. No, they were definitely good. Road but to El Dorado rules. They, yeah, they weren't commercially Chicken Run. successful. I mean, yeah, their, Chicken Run's fantastic. their worldwide gross was 171, 218, 76, and 225. Like millions. Mm-hmm. So I think they, oh, yeah. they did well. No, and, and as a relative newcomer to something that's been around for, you know, half a century, if not longer at the time, you know, when they were doing that, it's definitely a really great start for them but it wasn't something that like you know they were all good movies i'm honestly i mean for the most part uh they, they were and but and chicken run are fantastic yeah no both those movies but yeah really shrek good. did gross a lot more it had 484 so 
Yeah, Shrek was the runaway success that Katzenberg had always essentially wanted. It was kind of the way to slap them in the face and be like, hey, you see the success I have? (laughs) This is what you could have had if you had kept me. But, you know, I think that that's a great thing because when you get something like DreamWorks, which I really love DreamWorks, they're not always on the money, but they, I think that early on, they were one of the first companies that really put something out that felt decidedly high quality and that was at a point in time where Disney was kind of synonymous with that. And it was kind of like, well, if it's animated and it's not Disney, it's probably not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. Then you have all of, and, and really, you know, they're, they're traditionally animated movies. Like, dude, Rodel Eldorado is a beautifully animated movie. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Uh, even, uh, what is it, Prince of Egypt? Prince of Egypt is a, a fantastic looking movie. Mm-hmm. It's not that great of a movie, sadly, uh, but it is a fantastic looking movie. I think that they had animation chops that were really surprising this time. And that's awesome. I mean, you know, you had Pixar, which while I don't think owned by Disney at that point in time, we're still in bed with Disney. So for all intents and purposes, we can call that Disney. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's great that we have things like that, that kind of happened. If you think about it, it's very similar to the whole uh, Nintendo Sony situation yeah. where it's like, Sony spun off from essentially originally working with Nintendo and then came out to be a, at least for a chunk of time, a a bigger competitor. Mm -hmm. Arguably, Sony still is a a huge competitor. Mm -hmm. Uh, DreamWorks is a little different. They're clearly not Disney, (laughs) Uh, sadly. And that sucks because I really like DreamWorks. But going back to, I guess, the movie itself, unless anybody wants to add to that. um, I do have a question about all the references, you know. How Mm -hmm. do they get away with using like the same names and stuff are the names of characters Uh, not able to be copyrighted or anything or their likeness uh, so the stories themselves are actually it's it's kind of why if you look right now there have been a number of non-disney made versions of things like peter pan movies there's been a number of non-disney made uh there's a there's a non-disney made little mermaid it's because the stories they're based off of no it's not called the little mermaid but it's based off of the tale sure so the thing Mm -hmm. is is that you end up with movies that are about the same basic thing and you can reference those names and likenesses because they are just essentially public domain at this point. Mm-hmm. They were never copyrighted, or if, if they were, that copyright has long expired, which that's an interesting conversation about this. Disney, for good and bad, has really done a lot to the way that copyrights work, and they have fought and essentially stuffed people's pockets with money in order to extend yeah. to a ridiculous amount what yeah. you can do in terms of copyright law. Because mm-hmm. isn't that the whole thing with Mickey Mouse is like, Mickey Mouse should be public domain at this point, but they just won't let it happen. (laughs) Yeah. Essentially. And actually, Steamboat Willie is what it is, particularly. And I think that they finally actually did lose Steamboat Willie. So I think they still have Mickey copyrighted. I don't think you can make your own Mickey movie. Mm. But now anybody who wants to, I'm pretty sure. If not, it was at least in court because they were trying to get it extended again. They want to retain sole ability to uh, essentially distribute Steamboat Willie. But... Oh, could you imagine I'm if, if pretty sure they failed and I think another company if, if somebody wanted to do it and put the money behind it they could. You imagine if that had happened early enough that the lighthouse could have been a steamboat willy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Would a Willem Dafoe be Pete? I uh I feel like he'd be Steamboat Willie. Hmm. No, it's just make our Steamboat Willie is with the two guys. There's just a third guy. 
<laughs> Steamboat Willie is driving the boat that they're on at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it's the same movie. There's just an animated character along with them. <laughs> just a mouse for driving this boat. And there is a bird in Steamboat Willie that constantly mocks and torments Mickey. So that's actually really spot on. There we go. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, with all that being said, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great for competition, though. I mean, going back to the kind of core of all that, um, mm. I know it sounds weird, but I've talked about it a bunch, even in terms of gaming, but I think about it in movies and stuff all the time. I think I'm not going to sit there and act like I don't enjoy some Disney properties. Like I've never enjoyed some Disney properties, but I think that Disney as a company has gotten way too big and kind of disgusting with how much they just want to buy and control everything. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that makes me generally uncomfortable as someone who is just a, a a general fan of a bunch of different mediums. Like I absolutely love animation and I am glad that Disney does a lot to move animation forward, but I don't like that their answer to doing that is just to essentially buy out everything or push everything out by continuing to make sure that all they do is put out multi-million dollar established franchises that they know are going to do well to essentially curate the movie going experience like you know it's kind of what like you're going back to the scorsese talk part of what he's talking about is like it's really hard for real cinema at least as he determined it but it's it's really hard for non-summer action flick cinema to Mm -hmm. actually make it into the movie theaters because they are constantly trying to make sure that they're saving these spots for movies that are Everyone knows kind of what it is and what they're getting into, but they're multi-billion-dollar franchises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the issue too is when they into. don't, if they like turn down a Disney movie to accept like an A twenty-four movie, then Disney will stop giving them movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you're in a catch twenty-two, you know, and and that's a really weird thing. Uh, so again, good to this movie for kind of taking the piss <laughs> out of uh disney as it were uh but yeah this movie's there's so much stuff about this movie that's great and uh, you know as a kid i definitely know that i didn't realize how much it was just essentially kind of taking every disney trope and turning it on its head in some way mm-hmm. uh like you know like you you think it's funny and you kind of you know that they're referencing disney things but you don't realize just how much of it is about being the exact opposite of a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And that's an awesome thing. Well, uh, everything, one of my favorite things. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, everything down to like even particular lines that are spoken are just things from Disney movies. Like, that'll do, Donkey, that'll do, is from Babe. Like, that'll yeah, do, Pig, yeah. that'll do. Like, yeah. like, if you haven't seen all these Disney movies, like I was talking about my daughter, like, so much of this movie just goes over your head. Yeah. You, no, you for know, sure. the Muffin I, Man. <laughs> the muffin man the muffin man <laughs> eat me the best not scene. the gumdrop button yeah it's a fantastic scene I don't think really. there's any competition personally you, you know one of my favorite things about that scene and this is just one of my weird like love of tech things I remember even as a kid being enamored with how realistic that scene looks yeah, I know that sounds weird, but dude, from an from a pure animation like resolution, texture resolution, all the things they're doing from a pure standpoint of looking at it, it doesn't really look that old. Like even mm-hmm. watching it today, almost every time I watch the movie, looking at the back of the gingerbread man, yeah, I was like that looks like a legit ass fucking cookie. That looks uh-huh. like someone has a cookie. Yeah, I'd eat them. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's amazing, and every time I watch this movie, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible 
that they got enough credit for what they did. I mean, honestly, I know they did. There's a lot of things oh, they won about how Shrek changed animation. And- yeah. But, dude, the movie has just got so much stuff that I think we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we, we definitely took for granted at the time. And I think that it's one of the things that a lot of people go to the movies and don't see now. I know that I'm definitely different. Me and my buddy Blaze go and watch animated movies in theaters all the time. And one of our favorite things is to look at them from an animation standpoint and just what they're doing from a detail standpoint, how much detail they're trying to pack in, how busy they're wanting to make a scene, essentially how complex it is. And I'm constantly amazed. And I think DreamWorks is actually between DreamWorks and of course, Pixar, cause they're Pixar, but, Sony's done great shit too, honestly. Sony, that's what I was about to say. Sony's animation studio is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Their work on, and I mean this, for a movie that came out, what, six years after Shrek, maybe, maybe seven, um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs Mm. looks like it was animated. The first one looks like it was animated this year to me. Like, I've rewatched it recently. I love that movie. I've watched it a million times, but I've rewatched it recently, and it just blew my mind how good it still looks. Part of its art style choice and whatnot, but it's just a, yeah, yeah, yeah animation, fantastic animation. It's come a long way. Mm. I was observing Marvel that. Movies. I was observing that throughout this movie. Like there, there are there are definitely spots where you can tell that it's aged, and like I always, mm-hmm. even at the time, thought like the uh, the credits where it showed the actor's name. Like I always thought that looked bad. But like, yeah, it it did even when it came out. <laughs> yeah, but w- with that as like one of the few exceptions, honestly, like this movie still looks like fantastic. And I was like noticing how a lot of like the lighting they use is really ahead of its time. Because even like honestly, like The Incredibles is one of my favorite uh, Pixar movies, and there are scenes in that that look rough as fuck. Like if you watch it mm-hmm. now, and there mm-hmm. are like there's a lot that happens in a uh, in Shrek that just like I feel like they did a lot to get around the limitations of the tech of the time compared to today. And some of it is just a matter of like being creative with what you have, as opposed to just having more tech that goes a longer way. And Mm -hmm. like when they were flying on the back of the dragon through the clouds, like it looked like the clouds were painted like traditionally instead of uh, CG, but honestly it looked better. And the way they combined it was really seamless. So it just, and, and maybe they didn't actually make it that way, but like that scene, that type of scene in, in some movies is the kind of thing that can age poorly, but I I think it looks fantastic. And there are so many examples of this where they just make all the right choices with what they have available. And as you've said, like there's so much about this movie that still is visually impressive to this day. Yeah. For, for the ability to watch a movie and really have few and far between moments on a movie that's 19 years old, Mm -hmm. few and far between moments that kind of make you go, Oh, this is a 19 year old movie. (laughs) Like, you know, where it's like, you really think about it. There's a lot of times where I was like, this movie looks like something that could have just come out. And of course, if you really, really, really look and compare, but it's about the way that it sells itself. And I think it does a lot to make itself not feel dated when you're watching it as an isolated experience. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you put it side by side with something more modern, you'd, you'd see its pitfalls quicker, but it sure. does a lot to mask them within itself with creative choices. Yeah. Chris, were you trying to say something? Um, I wasn't, but I can take this opportunity to say something that I noticed. I think is really funny. Um, in the beginning of the movie, when Shrek is like reading the fairy tale and then he wipes his ass with the fairy tale, did mm-hmm. you guys notice how, for a couple sentences he completely drops the accent no yeah if you listen to i listened to it like three times to make sure i was right but if you 
he'll go he's like he's, he does his english his, his whatever irish accent Scottish and then all of a sudden accent, whatever it is yeah. yeah and then all of a sudden he's just talking like an american so <laughs> i'm not gonna try and do the accent because we've all heard me try and do accents but <laughs> it's just he goes and then it's just like and 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 then she's in the 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 tower and then it goes back into the scottish accent it's like, what the fuck just <laughs> happened interesting but more on the topic i guess um yeah, the animation is really. I noticed that today too, where I'm like, oh, this this doesn't look bad. Yeah, like I, I really expected it to look bad, and I'm a little disappointed that neither none of you pointed out the perfect animation from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and how that's that's Sony. We 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 gave Sony their shout out. That's yeah, you gave animation. you gave a shout out to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and okay, I need to but- shout out. <laughs> <laughs> into the Spider-Verse because Into the Spider-Verse has like in terms yes. of anything even like that video games that movie will never look bad it's well, you know, literally impossible the, a lot of the reason I'm bringing it up is because there was a I was reading a tweet I think it was Phil Lord or Chris Miller I think those are the two directors mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. saying today he was saying like the animation they're using for the sequel is gonna make Spider-Verse look bad god <laughs> like what the fuck do you mean can only I'm imagine. trying not to not trying to hype myself up here, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, there's a little part of me that got a half Shrek when that happens. <laughs> like, oh god. Uh, so uh, while we're talking about the intro, I think that's a good thing. I think that that's one of the main uh, faults of the movie actually not doing everything in an effort to try and be flashy mm. and do. Uh, like essentially in scene and in moment introduction where you have all the names happening in real time, mm-hmm. like as the scene progresses. Um, I think that most of the movie does a lot to really avoid fluid simulation because mm-hmm. that's what makes, and that's the hardest stuff to, to do back then. It's water's really, it's it's super intensive to try and figure out how water is supposed to react so it's really hard for people for that to pull off and look realistic definitely in that time period so the fact that the intro decides to be pretty much the only part of the movie that leans on having water anywhere visible (laughs) that would be moving water Mm -hmm. is interesting because it's like they put it all in one spot and that's the worst looking part of the movie. It's like you see the mud hit the rock and immediately it doesn't even look like the mud actually makes contact with the rock. It looks also like it's too thick, mm-hmm. like even when the water's splashing around. And you can kind of give yourself some you know, cognitive, oh yeah, it's just, uh, it's that it's swamp water, which should be thicker. <laughs> but, <laughs> but realistically, it's just it's thick that from the fart simulation group. is really hard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, shout out to the animation. Yeah. Uh, it, it it shows a lot about how uh, stuff that we take for granted even nowadays from like a tying in video games into this a little bit. Uh, it, it's amazing that it shows where video games still need to improve on something that's a 19-year-old movie. Mm-hmm. So like how real-time rendering still needs to catch up with pre-rendering from 20 years ago. Uh, so a lot of that comes down to one of the things that I think really I'm looking forward to next gen that I think is going to be dealt with more because of memory limitations being more removed is, and it's, it's surprising how good it looks in this movie. Um, essentially it, it's characters showing presence in their surroundings by having their actions deform the ground around them or the grass around them Mm -hmm. and like you know one of the things that i think happened in video games this gen and some late last gen was like oh when you're walking in like sand or mud you're going to leave a footprint 
it's like that's cool and it does help you feel like your character is there and weighty but like one of the things that helps that a lot more is like when you're doing something in the when you go to swing something and the grass blows or you go to walk through something and the grass bends when it touches your leg Mm -hmm. Uh, and this movie has that in spades Uh, whenever you see like there's so much present like there's so much dense foliage in this movie and I, I think that the forest parts of the movies really look the best and that's a lot of the movie uh but the grass is so dense and it looks like you can see every blade of grass and then when they're walking you see it depress and rise back up and take time it's not just springy Mm. it's like it kind of has to relieve itself once shrek or donkey gets off of it or around from it um and that's super impressive because that's something that games still have such a hard time doing Mm -hmm. like for as good as horizon zero dawn looks very seldom does anything you do deform the grass around you at all Mm -hmm. i think um it's interesting because what you're talking about is kind of like i think it was like ps3 maybe uncharted 3 when they would show off like oh half of nathan drake's shirt gets wet when you go in the water (laughs) but if you don't go all the way in the water the top half won't get wet you know and i I always thought that was really dumb but then you play it and i'm like oh that's kind of cool his shirt's different shades (laughs) of blue yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Uncharted One. That was it? Uh, one of the big features for Uncharted One. So that's two thousand seven. Imagine that. <laughs> I, it's, it just makes me. It makes me laugh Which, dude, that that's a feature. That's, you know, <laughs> that's super impressive tech for real time rendering in two thousand seven. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> still a bad. Think about it. In ca- it, it. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best, but uh, oh, I, I do like the game. Don't wrong. But yeah, think about it that way. Like in Shrek. Do you, because it's hard to do in Shrek do you really see anybody get soaking wet and then you actually see that they're soaking wet no the movie kind of avoids that because they're like well it's hard to show how water changes fabric mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so even in a pre-rendered movie they were like yeah let's avoid that yeah uh, but anyway I guess I can stop kind of just going over and over about just how great this movie looks and is animated um so anybody else i mean really i'm chris i know how you feel about the movie i've seen your rating Mm. i want to hear some of what makes you lean towards thinking this movie deserves that rating for you there i don't think there's a single boring scene in the movie Mm. i think every scene is entertaining there are obviously better scenes and worse scenes so when they're going into duloc that could have been a really boring scene of just them walking in and looking around and then they find the place but instead you have that fucking uh the song you know <laughs> yeah so every- before that you have the mascot exactly running away <laughs> that scene is so good with him just weaving in and out <laughs> 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 oh my god but yeah, I think that's the thing. I I said to my friend when we were doing the the Destiny Nightfall, where I'm like, I've seen the movie. Like, I I don't even really need to watch the movie. I'll be able to talk about it. But then, like, sitting down and actually like watching it, I'm like, yeah, this was just worth the time. It was just so much fun. <laughs> like, I enjoyed myself. You know. Yeah. Like even now, thinking about it, I can't think of a scene I don't like. Um, yeah, uh, I think that this is a good time to kind of have everybody speak on those moments. But to that for you, I mean, really, the way I kind of describe it is I've always said that like Shrek as a movie just oozes character and like every little thing that they do, like even starting as early as when Shrek's sitting there with donkey outside and he pulls the earwax out, create a <laughs> candle. And then the hair at the end is what he uses as the wick. Yeah. Like shit like that is just funny and interesting. They blow up the damn uh, snake and the lizard to create <laughs> balloons. Like it's, it's all stupid and over the top, 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of my favorite, and this is such a subtle thing, but I think it elevates these scenes so much. During the whole wedding scene, when like the the audience has like a re- a cue card reaction thing, yeah. where the guy over at the side, it's like reverence, and then whenever he starts making fun, it's like he has to quickly pull out the laugh one and throw <laughs> it in front so that everyone knows to laugh. Yeah. So yeah, shit like that is just it. It makes this movie because not only is this movie not that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in in a great way, I think this movie respects your time while still telling every bit of the story it needed to tell, yeah. and it does it so well. It's so streamlined and efficient. It's just a tight movie, you know. There's yeah. no filler whatsoever. Tight. That's the thing I was noticing is for all of this movie's attention to making fun of the Disney formula, it's making fun of the Disney formula by using the formula exactly because every part of Shrek's thing is the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so like it, it's to the point where like even before obviously like in the post YouTube world I think we're additionally aware of tropes in a way that maybe we weren't in 2001 where not everyone had the ability to just like read the Wikipedia of movie tropes and stuff uh, yeah. but there's still definitely something that's very like overt and kind of like I, I really <sighs> I always admire when someone makes fun of something by doing it better than their competition or at least doing mm-hmm. it as well and showing like, Hey, you don't own this. Like, you know, I, I think that was really cool. And, and just the whole, especially with the early step of the hero being reluctant, the whole refusal of the call thing, but that mm-hmm. often feels kind of like you do it because the hero's journey says you have to, not because it necessarily feels natural to the character but it completely feels natural to the character because all Shrek wants is for everyone to leave him the fuck alone. Yeah, but also, well, that's not actually what he wants. I was about like to say, that, I kind of disagree. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, but it's the outer facade that he puts on, right? Yes. It's the life he's relegated himself to, so that's what guides his decision-making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see moments of him being like, oh, I would like to have somebody or something else, but he finds ways to tie himself over. And you hear that in like the dialogue, you know, a lot of what he says is like, you know, I am what I am. People th- judge me before they get to know me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, why waste the time and effort? Why not just be what they want me to be? Cause at least it gets them out of my hair. Yeah. You know, now that you kind of said that where I'm thinking about this a lot, where we've kind of watched the same movie two weeks in a row. Josh, you didn't watch last week's movie. I'm assuming, but Oh, we man they're the same movie but with two different endings mm. yeah because donkey essentially takes the place of the reporter he does <laughs> like, yeah he's not really wanted but at the same time he is it's like he likes the company but at the same mm-hmm. time he gets like you know as as donkey as the company he gets shit on a lot <laughs> well but if, if you think about even if you think about shrek and his disposition as protecting himself from like crippling depression because nobody wants to deal with him Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of the same thing where shrek is just he chooses to be alone because it's easier than being rejected and that's basically the same thing that dfw was doing in the last movie except you know shrek gets the girl and dfw kills himself so like the (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert if you haven't seen last week's movie or again, if you haven't seen real life, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, all jokes aside, I think in a lot of ways you could look at both of these movies as you know depression stories, and we've watched and it, it's just two different like takes on that. One of them is a really funny movie, and one of them is I very think sad. There's I think. 
definitely mm. ground to stand on for that. And I see what you mean, and I think it is an interesting parallel. I don't necessarily know that I view Shrek entirely as a depression story for a number of reasons. Uh, I do no, think I, that you know part of what Josh is talking about is like essentially their goal was like we're going to make a movie, uh, we're going to make a Disney movie, but every step of the way we're going to turn it on its head is essentially well, what they're doing. I, what I'll say is like. End of the Tour is a movie about depression, and yeah. Shrek is a movie about a guy with depression. You know, that's a very... <laughs> okay, yeah. It's a very specific but important distinction, I think, so... And yeah. it's funny, because in the End of the Tour, he finds companionship, but he lets mm-hmm. that companionship go in a in a weird sense. But in Shrek, he doesn't. He does so, not. Good, good for Shrek. He <laughs> objects. But, uh, yeah, the, you know... I, I I do like the way that the movie goes about trying to tell its story. And like Josh said, it's kind of like we're going to do what they do. We're going to turn it on its head in every step of the direct, of the way. And we're also going to end up doing it in a way that feels better and more fresh than what we've been getting for a long time from Disney. And that's awesome. Because, I mean, like, again, every step of the way. You have the, the hero, but he's reluctant. Okay, that, you have your first step. You keep going through, and it's like, well, now we have the, the catalyst, the moment that kind of gets him to move. Then we see him come through without really wanting to have this companion, but he has a companion. Okay, go mm-hmm. through that. Then he meets the, the king, and he's only doing it for his own selfish reasons instead of the noble version, you know, that tends to be the way. And then the, the girl is technically beautiful, but she's not anything like a princess. Once you actually get to know her, then it turns out she's not actually a, like a princess in terms of visual either. So it's, it pulls away. It's like, it turns the head of the damsel distress thing. Mm-hmm. It turns the, it turns away from the, you know, the whole princesses have got to be like the epitome of beauty by having a story that turns out at the end where it's like true love's form is not the view, the version of you that is more, you know, uh, what would you even consider that conventionally beautiful? It's, it's the version mm-hmm. that, you know, best matches. It, it's interesting. I mean, of course, when you break it down like that, it sounds base, but I think in, practice and in action it does a really great job of giving you more of the basic hero's journey that you know but finding ways to somehow still make that fresh and exciting and Mm -hmm. interesting even 19 years later oh i don't know i do this all the time where i compare things that don't need to be compared but while this is the the end of the tour one was really an interesting comparison and i do think that there's something there i appreciate that but But the comparison i'm going to make doesn't need to be made because this is also the same movie as iron man (laughs) Hmm. i see where you're coming from automatically you don't even have to say anything i don't know i don't have to 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 back it up but it's the same movie so is happy donkey yes okay literally to the point where iron man does pretends he doesn't really want happy around but he really does want happy around yeah Mm -hmm. you know there's also that moment in shrek where he gets uh his heart fucked with and he has Mm -hmm. to put in like that core you know those movies are a lot more alike than people uh you know i'm surprised you're the first person i've ever heard say that you know my favorite honestly my favorite part of shrek is when he kills tinkerbell with his hand cannons Mm. this is my favorite part of that movie (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) i think mine is uh the end fight with jeff bridges where he's like tony for like 10 minutes (laughs) and and shrek is just over there like who the fuck is tony (laughs) (laughs) um so hold on can we stop real quick because i don't know if blake is here (laughs) yeah he was typing a second ago and then he just didn't type Uh, so i don't know what he's got going on blake blake (laughs) i mean he said be back in a few minutes so I figured we'd just give him a few more minutes. I don't know. 
Oh, never mind. He did type, apparently. He's fine. It's just my thing. Not <laughs> scroll all the way down. Um, uh, uh, an end cap I want to add real quick to mm-hmm. that whole thing is I think while this movie obviously is satirical and it's poking fun at all these things, uh, what makes it still hold up and still feel enjoyable, whether it was at the time or you know as we're watching it 19 years later, it's that in dissecting all these things, uh, the movie itself has its own merit and it has its own heart and all of these characters feel fleshed out and believable. And it's cool that like, even like Lord Farquaad for as little time we spend with him and it has like as insufferable as he is, we still get like nuance and kind of like particular flavors of why he is the way he is. And like Fiona's whole thing is like a really, I think thoughtful, sort of inversion of a lot of the tropes and instead of it just being like the princess is a an object to to be rescued we kind of see her contending with the tropes of that in a way that i think without being heavy-handed at all kind of mirrors a lot of what uh you know girls and women deal with as far as like having expectations of how they're supposed to be or how people you know want to perceive them as being versus like you know how they would actually be happier living. Um, and I think it's really cool that the movie does so much with all of its characters without it feeling like it's ham fisted. Yeah, yeah. And going back to Fiona, you know, one of the big things about her is like, you see her in a position of reluctantly putting herself in this role because she's trying to fit the standard of beauty and the expectation of what's around her, even though she doesn't actually want to want that. Like she's fighting with it. And it's, it really, it it makes, you know, one of the things we talked about in this show is like often in movies. And I get when people say this, like sometimes it's not the case. I think that there's a ton of very empowering women roles, but there are a lot of movies we've watched too, where women are in it just to essentially be like, Hey, there's a woman in this Mm -hmm. and they filled out the basic woman role. Like even Scarface, it's like, ah, she's just there to be, the love interest that ends up being an issue in the long run. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's like with this movie, I like that you kind of see her obviously be someone who can stand on her own, but then um, also she's dealing with the turmoil of the expectation of what her life is supposed to be and how, even when she's happy and kisses Shrek and goes through all this, she's so shocked that she still looks like an ogre because it's like, she's been having to contend with the fact that that's not the way she's supposed to look as far as everyone else is concerned, which has bled into her own concern where it's like, well now why am I not the way I am? And it's like, you don't, she doesn't even get that reprieve fully until Shrek goes, but you are beautiful. And it's like, ah, you know, of course it's, it's moderately cheesy, but the, the great thing about this movie is that it really sells that scene in a way. It's weird. It's like, yes, it's a cheesy thing to say, but it doesn't look like it's just written conveniently to be that way. Just to give you a all shucksy doodles moment. Mm-hmm. It's more like, uh, you know, you see this actually happening in building and you see Shrek talking constantly about the fact that he wishes people wouldn't judge him and see him for who he is. And when he calls her beautiful, I mean, he is essentially saying like the, the outside is beautiful to him, but what he's really saying is like, it's the inside that counts. You're beautiful no matter what you look like. Uh Uh, And that's, you know, of course that's an easy thing to hit on now. And it's something that I think stories try and hit now, but I think this does it in such a, delicate manner that feels genuine and real and like Mm -hmm. you said these these characters all feel way more fleshed out than any disney character Mm. yeah 
Yeah, Fiona in regard, like, if you look at how she is against somebody like Cinderella or somebody like Snow White, she's a multifaceted, realistic-feeling character, mm-hmm. a person, instead of just a, a caricature of one thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even me as someone who's a fucking Marvel bootlicker, um, I could say that, like, <laughs> if you're not a superhero, you don't have a character. And I think that's something, what's interesting in here is even the fucking uh, dragon has an entire arc. And it's about three minutes long, but it's a whole ass arc. And it's surprisingly touching. Like, every step of the way. Yeah. Like, you kind of feel bad for the dragon whenever they get, like, whenever Donkey and her get away and she kind of goes back to the other side of the bridge and, like, sits down and looks not defeated, she looks sad, like the one person that was kind of giving her the positive attention that you don't normally see, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's goofy, but at the same time, like, even now, it's kind of like, damn, that is sad. Yeah. <laughs> it also makes me, you know, wonder. It's like, what if a knight had just walked in there and be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Instead of trying to fucking kill her. <laughs> like, hey, how are you today? Are, are you yeah. feeling pretty good? Yeah. Maybe, like, brought some food. Yeah, right. So <laughs> the interesting conversation we could have about stereotypes given because of that. <laughs> I just brought up, but well, I'm not the but it, it definitely bleeds into the the movie. It's like essentially, it's it's weird. I almost feel like every character kind of has their every interaction somehow ends up building every character, even if they don't ultimately matter. Like you know, right. I don't. It sounds weird, but like. The, the the old lady who was trying to sell Donkey for 10 shillings because he could talk, <laughs> somehow she comes off as somebody who feels more realistic and believable as a character in person yeah, than desperate. Snow White or Cinderella do as the main characters of their respective movies. Mm-hmm. And that's weird. It yeah. should not be that way, but I think it pokes holes in a lot of how Disney have got problems with the way they set their thing. And Disney still has problems with the way they set their stuff up. They're trying to course correct some spot, sometimes about being too heavy handed instead yes. of just being natural. Uh, but you know, yeah, there, there's something very like adult about the comedy, but not in like a trying hard kind of way. It's just like the sort of nonchalant sitcom sort of treatment where it's like, everyone is just sort of like, you know, like m- most adults like on an average day are just like whatever they're getting through it like you know they're kind of just like doing their thing and not like particularly happy about it they're just kind of there and just trying to get through it so I-, I think it's cool to see that in like a fairy tale animated kids movie context of like here's a dude doing his job and it's like whatever this lady's fucking crazy just get her out of here and it's like what the yeah. fuck this donkey's talking and then he's like all right i gotta read this summons to an ogre and it looks like he might murder me and it's just like there's a lot that's like they could have not done all of that but that they did makes it so much more enjoyable i can talk yeah. and i can fly <laughs> <laughs> you may have seen a dragon fly but you ain't <laughs> <laughs> you never seen a donkey fly <laughs> oh dude the, 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 here's the thing this movie and I, maybe it's because of who I am but I just think that there's very few points in life where a movie comes along that is just infinitely quotable mm-hmm, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because of the movie itself or the movie plus where I happened to be at those points in my life mm. but there every few years there will come a movie and it's typically a comedy that's just so damn quotable it's kind of like Spongebob you know like yeah. Spongebob can be quoted for any purpose <laughs> oh, yeah. and it just works you know it's like I quote 
so much stuff from this movie so much stuff from joe dirt so much stuff from the new guy it's just i mean i, I quote stuff from dewey cox i quote stuff from Walk- <laughs> yeah no not no, for me but no but yeah i've actually heard you quote pineapple express a lot so yeah you know yeah exactly you know safety first it, it's Bye. weird how stuff comes along and is so quotable and actually even though i'm not the big huge fan of pineapple express it is a relatively it's it's a pretty quotable movie even as somebody who's only watched it one and a half times oh my god i've seen it like 40 (laughs) i think i've i've always i've grown up just making the the joke of just donkey the my entire life (laughs) just just for no reason playing apex the other day we're getting pissed off for like another team and i'm like donkey get him get out me swamp and then we won the game you know just there's no reason for it but everyone gets it and that's kind of the point Nice. Yeah, no, it's it's weird, but it's like at work, uh, whenever I used to work out in the warehouse, and I still go out and see those guys occasionally, whenever I do, uh, and he's going to be mad at me for saying this if he listens to this, so I don't think he will. Uh, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy, he gets really mad because he looks like Lord Farquaad. <laughs> In the face. And he's not short as the Lord Farquaad, but he is on the shorter side. <laughs> and people mess with him and say he has little man syndrome. So when you pull all those things together, oh, I, I love him, and I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just every time I see it, I do think about it a little bit, and I chuckle. But that's unfortunate. He, whenever I used to work out there all the time, he he always thought that I could just nail the gingerbread man voice. So he'd just be like, we'd be sitting there, be like, do it. <laughs> and we just start doing the whole gingerbread man scene. And the irony of that. Is that as looking like Lord Farquaad, he would always say the Lord Farquaad lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, man, this uh, I just I don't know what it is that makes a movie come along in your life and just wedge itself so hard into your memory mm-hmm. that you just it's like you say it almost like verbal throw up so yes. quickly, like you don't even think about it. You're just there. Someone says something. And you just be like, one of my go-to ones for Joe Dirt, I say it all the time. My Somebody would be like, why does that do that? And I'm like, why is sunshine? Why is grass green? How's the positive track rear end on the Plymouth work? <laughs> it just does. Uh, my favorite Joe Dirt Yeah, man, you like you see how I was thinking. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> Still got to watch that. Oh, it's uh, dude, you've never seen Joe Dirt. I wanted to as a kid, and it oh. was just like I never watched it at the time, and I just haven't gotten around to it since. I know our next movie for me, at least. <laughs> it holds up extremely well as someone who grew up watching it, but I'm not sure how well it holds up as someone like just going in to watch it. I don't know. I think I've I've actually had the fear of like I or not the fear, but I think I've had like kind of thing of like maybe I find it so funny because I live in the South where yeah. these things feel like they're rampant. Yeah. <laughs> so it it feels more situationally appropriate for things I've seen in my life. Yeah, sure. it's really. I funny. mean, I don't know. I also love David Spade, so I'll be rooting for it in that capacity at least. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, he is excellent in the role. I'll say if nothing else. <laughs> He plays the role exactly as he should. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, 
this this movie is just i i love so many aspects about it but really i I think going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier i think my biggest thing that i really enjoyed about the movie the more i thought of it is what chris kind of talked about in that every scene makes sure there's something supplemental to where it's like this could just be a scene of shrek walking uh you know to get the princess or walking to get a piece of armor or walking whatever it is mm-hmm. uh you know he could he could be walking about to go save donkey this is a good situation he's about to go save donkey he's walking he's about to open a door and he walks by a giant cauldron and a giant book that has a soldier that shows that has where you can dice and cut up and section the soldier off and it says choice cuts <laughs> so it's like a dragon cookbook for people to you know to eat people <laughs> yeah and it's small little environmental situational comedy but it just adds to the moment it's part of why i like the guy who has the cue cards so much because it's it's stupid and it is kind of sitcom mm-hmm. like we talked about but it, it just adds so much flavor to the moment definitely when they bring back the guy who's kind of a dunce at the beginning he's like three my lord <laughs> whatever <laughs> but they come back with that guy and he writes he turns one over and writes all on it and like it looks like a three-year-old wrote it on the board yeah <laughs> I, I don't know why it's just things like that stick with you in a way and i think that that's part of what i love about animation so much like i don't see how this movie i don't see how this movie works as a live action film like, I, I don't think that you even if you tried to slimline it if someone was like hey they're going to reboot shrek live action and D- dreamworks is going to start live action rebooting every movie they've ever done like disney decided was a good idea terrible. it would be a terrible decision it was a terrible decision from <laughs> as far as i've been concerned on disney's part too but i think that there's just things about animation that elevate the experience in a way that's hard to replicate in something that's supposed to be more grounded. Best way I can kind of describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fucking Lion King was one of the most disappointing experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. And like my parents were genuinely excited to see that movie with me. Cause I think the first movie I ever saw with them was the Lion King in a theater. And like my parents bought the tickets for that movie, like early, they were excited and I was in there trying so hard not to just be mad. So the music was so bad. The movie was so mm. bad. And that's the point. It's like you can't just do this stuff again. There's a it's time and place stuff. You have yeah. to. That's the thing with a remake. You have to add something to it. That's why I respect you know completely switching le- le- uh, gears again. But the Final Fantasy VII remake I respect a lot because it's a it's a new game telling a, the same story. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we see movies eventually get rebooted, but we tend to get them, we tend to see similar stories rebooted in a way that you wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, you can sometimes figure it out, but you don't have to know it beforehand, and it doesn't detract. I think a good way to describe it is if you look at like something like uh, West Side Story, clearly it's inspiration of another story before it, but it works because it's doing something, it's adding its own element into the story that doesn't detract, it's just supplementary. Uh, and you got to be really careful when you're moving between time periods, moving between redoing an idea, moving between mediums even. I think it's really hard. Just like I think it's really hard to take an animated movie and keep everything that made it feel like it was unique to itself and transition that into live action. I also think it's really hard to take something live action and transition it in a way that still feels true to itself but animated. But we see that happen or we used to see that happen more often. 
Uh, you, you know, we see shows get animated versions all the time, like Clerks animated. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's weird. <laughs> I think my opinion on remakes is that I never get upset when they happen because if they end up being bad, then I just act like they don't exist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's exactly. I honestly forget that Lion King exists until I start thinking of yeah bad examples of remakes. But there are some mm-hmm. really good remakes, like particularly in horror, like the Evil Dead remake is. Re- I think personally better than the original, which is kind of a hot take. But I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is great. The Hills Have Eyes remake is great. Like, there's a ton of great ones. So I'm always looking forward to them, just in the hopes that they're really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely don't want to imply that there's no good reboots or remakes. Sure, I just sure. think it's uh, it is really hard to do them because there's reverence, definitely yeah. for like really big things. Like, there's reverence for them that's been long building, and it's so hard to match the image of something that someone has created in their head. And that's why I generally, I, I do think all the time, like what would happen if they tried? And I think there was a rumor about a year ago that they were going to try and reboot Shrek. Mm. And I don't, I don't know how you do it. I'm not saying that they can't do it and I'm not saying it won't even be good. And there might be an entirely new generation of kids that have it as something that's like a touchstone for them. Like it, like the first one was for us, but I just it's so hard to imagine how you do that again. Like it's, I guess the problem I always have is it feels like when people do something like that, definitely when in now at times where it's really easy to still have the original, it feels like you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle a second time mm-hmm. instead of just moving on and trying to do something new and different. And that same argument could apply to anything in terms of you see that in music all the time where artists will be like, Oh, uh, we're going back to our, to our starting sound. You know, we're going to, we're going to reach back into where we came from and we're going to, this new album is going to sound like this album. Mm-hmm. And it never does. Never it ever does you get lucky if you get close i think there's been a few examples of bands saying that they're going to try and look for inspiration from older albums and you can kind of understand where they were talking but you see that in music you see it in video games you see it all across the board and well, the- i think sometimes it just becomes a thing where it's like in a time period where it's so easy to experience these things over and over again yeah mm-hmm. sometimes it's best to just leave them alone I agree. It's it's when you in, invoke something with so much nostalgia and positive nostalgia mm-hmm. is the problem. And the thing is, you wouldn't remake something bad, right? So, like, <laughs> and that's the thing. And I think the point that Blake was making was interesting, but at the same time, it's like, you can get away with remaking horror a lot pretty easily because in the end, and not to talk down to the genre because I love horror, but it's as long as it's scary and the guy looks like Freddy Krueger, you can kind of do whatever you want, you know? Um, and, and that's, I think, the difference, especially when you're coming from animation to... Uh, animation to live action. It's it's impossible to yeah. capture. Yeah. I agree. And, and it's, it sucks, too, that, like, at least in the case of The Lion King, like that and The Jungle Book before it, um, with the huge disclaimer that I haven't seen it, so I have no fucking clue what Did I'm talking about. Did they remake Jungle Book? Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh. That that was the first of the two, like the quote unquote live action, but still almost yeah. entirely CG uh, yes. Disney movies. Yeah. Huh? Um, I didn't even know that. Though I think Jungle Book, I think the kid was actually a real actor, and that was it. <laughs> there uh, was I don't, a real I don't kid. think the kid was full CGI. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Th- there were the scenes where he was CGI. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So I mean, obviously, there's been a bunch of those, but at least with the John Favreau ones, and like, no disrespect to John Favreau, they feel like tech demos. They don't feel like movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, The Lion King is impressive, but the movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just hard. I think, and I don't know the critical reception of the Beauty and the Beast one, but I didn't hate the Beauty and the Beast live action. But it's also mm-hmm. because it's like mostly people, or like inanimate yeah. objects. So. Having a real-looking lion convey emotion either looks really weird or doesn't work at all. Well, that's the problem with the movie is they don't convey emotion. Right. It's just lions. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. and they could. They definitely could. But the problem is is that the moment you do that, you are taking the movie away from looking photorealistic. Exactly. And the yeah. choice that they made is we don't care if it looks expressive and like somebody's actually going through something. We want a movie that on paper looks like real animals despite the fact that they are not they should have just you taken out all the words and just had them like make animal noises through the whole movie it's <laughs> the funny thing is i was almost about to say that where if they told that story without you know simba and scar or whatever but it was stephen fry doing planet of the Ear- planet earth I was about but to say that. Do Lion it like King? a nature documentary. Yeah, be cool as fuck. And you tell the same story, but you do it with that photorealistic shit. That would have been a ten out of ten, five star, perfect movie. But Dude, instead, I've thought about that. It had, those. Yeah, it would have been awesome. Instead, we got some of the worst renditions of some of the best songs I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna sound wild, but I was watching. Uh, I, I remember seeing parts of of the Lion King as being like, huh. And then I've watched. Uh, I was at Blaze's house, and he was real into like doing the nature docs. And there was these people that did like a thing where they followed like a single, some kind of a rodent in like the desert. Yeah, and it just went through so much shit. But it was all Man versus real. <laughs> but uh, I, dude, I when I was watching it, I was like. Not a word is said that's not just exposition from a narrator. And he's not even like, he's just kind of giving you the scenario around what's going on. But you could turn the sound off and honestly, or at least you could turn the narration off. I think the music does help a lot, but I was watching it and I was just kind of amazed. I said, I could honestly watch this over and over again. Like, this is so compelling and moving Mm -hmm. and like... Anytime that the little rodent's in danger, I, I'm like on the edge of my seat. And anytime <laughs> mm-hmm. that he's like crawling into a, a deserted like animal skull to try and get a moment of like a respite, I'm like there with him. Like, oh my god, you deserve this little break, dude. <laughs> this is heartbreaking in a weird way. And I, I remember <laughs> that the first time I saw the commercial for the Lion King having full like full dialogue and having the animal speak to him, I was like, this is wrong. This is not yeah, the way you did this. Good. All you do is just show me what's happening. I can infer what's happening, and then you have a much cooler story that just right. is like – it's almost like making the Lion King in a more interesting way. <laughs> We've strayed very far off of well, Shrek. But. We're, we're going to keep straying because I'm thinking about that scene in Planet Earth 2 and I think it's the cobra versus lizards. Have yes. you seen that? Or the scorpions versus lizards? Yeah. You I know have a little lizard about? running away. It's 100% more... That's, that is a fucking just tense scene. Oh, it's so good. And I could have just seen... Oh, man. The Lion King with just Snoop Dogg narrating it. <laughs> Because that's the thing, and I think I think you could make a movie funnier that way too. Like, imagine yeah. if the Lion King was Snoop Dogg, or not even Snoop Dogg, but someone telling that story, but then embellishing it just a little bit. 
you know <laughs> like make it a pg-13 version of the lion king where it's like oh and then uh simba and nala go down to the water and they about a fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> shit would be hilarious i would watch that movie yeah we should make that movie <laughs> jesus we have the technology <laughs> <laughs> we can oh, fix man. the lion king so <laughs> to, to steer a little bit more on course yeah. uh is there any other things about the strike that's a stand i mean it's obviously just a fun movie like you said dude there's something about i've seen the movie a million times and my mm. wife is like why did you even watch the movie i'm like because it's shrek and as soon as i turned it on once you get past how weird the intro scene and like the choice to do it that way i was like once the movie gets rolling you're kind of just like this is so worth it yeah like this is so worth it just to sit here and watch this. Like I do, I don't even want to be doing anything else. And I've seen this movie over a hundred times, mm-hmm. easy. Probably wow. same. That hundred hours of your life watching Shrek. I dig that. <laughs> hey I man, Shrek the is fuck love. Out of it. And I've probably watched Shrek two like twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one thing that stood out to me a lot was uh, this theme of control. It felt like there was a lot of characters wanting things to be a certain way and that being the primary source of their anguish was things not being the way that they expected or wanted them to be uh mainly with uh fiona and her entire arc of like from the moment we see her she's like oh no i I gotta do it like the the way the fairy tale says and like oh he's supposed to be like you know my rescuer is supposed to be my true love and like we're supposed to do these things and i'm supposed to say these lines and it was very like she was trying to live out the way that she thought it was supposed to be in her head Mm -hmm. and uh we definitely the see that in the long run her res- her savior and her rescuer was her true love. Yeah. And that that's actually a really cool way of uh bringing it full uh full circle, which I know you're a fan of. Um what circles? Very much. <laughs> no, a perfect circle, the band asshole. Oh, well he Jesus said full Christ. circle so I didn't get it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Jason Freeze, okay? Um Oh, from the yeah, Batman and the other thing, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and yeah, s- same with Farquaad. Like we see uh, that night uh, where it's like him in front of the mirror, just being like, "Show me the princess again." Which, uh, by the way, I think the movie did its best to to tiptoe around the fact that he was probably jerking it to that uh, imagery. <laughs> um, but uh the the whole like shot of like he's got the dress already planned he's got everything like exactly as he wants it and then we see like uh in the whole scene where like uh you know it's revealed that she's an ogre his whole he he goes off the rails with control but Mm -hmm. uh i don't know that that was the thing that i thought was interestingly done it was enough of a presence in the movie to be like okay there's definitely like a it's part of fiona and uh farquad's respective arcs um, well, I would argue it's also, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'd argue it's also part of Shrek's arc Yes, because his whole thing is his feeling that he should have control over his area and his situation and everything he's doing is in the effort, initially at least, uh, the reason he does everything is in an effort to regain control of what he considers to be his mm-hmm. and c- things keep going a way that he, that he doesn't expect them to go and it continues to spiral the story out. Uh, so it, interesting that it kind of comes around to what, what I think is the three. I don't know if I'd say three main characters. I mean, but Farquaad really is. He's the he's in the way that matters. He's the antagonist. I mean, he's clearly mm-hmm. not much of one, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, but, he is, you know, he nonetheless, plays a small he is. part in the movie. 
Dude, that's one of the the best parts of the movie is whenever they're talking to Fiona about all the jokes about Farquaad. There are those who think little of him. It feels like two dudes in a warehouse who clearly know something that someone else doesn't know and just saying weird shit that skirts around it. And I love that. That's part of, again, what makes these characters feel so real. (laughs) I don't know why, but writing like that, where it's just two dudes riffing on someone over something (laughs) that they really don't care about, but it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, (laughs) definitely. Um, Also, this movie, you know, we we talked about how we'd get into in the long run. This movie is not much of a uh, kids movie. It clearly is. It exists in it, it exists in a capacity that a kid can sit and watch it, and it will they will find enjoyment in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, unlike a lot of things, where like I think a lot of the Disney movies even have got small references that if you're an adult and paying attention, you'd be like, "Hi, I think that that's what that was." This movie has clear overt references <laughs> to things and choices of songs, choices of dialogue that are clearly bordering around you know adult concepts and adult humor in a way that feels again like it was done to subvert what you'd expect from disney where it's like disney has a culture of doing things that are meant for adults but really hiding it so far within something that's clearly meant to be all age friendly whereas this is more of something that is aimed at adults but clearly works for kids as well with a lot of the slapstick humor you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah Yeah. absolutely and I mean, for what it's worth, like, I, I think uh, DreamWorks often gets uh, some flack for that kind of being the one note that they would hit in a lot of their movies, especially through like the early 2000s in their uh, primarily like 3D animated stuff. Um, but I think Shrek is still a fantastic example of how to do that well, where you're juggling mm-hmm. those two different tones and it doesn't feel like it's a kid's movie with inappropriate jokes that, that are trying too hard, but it actually feels like, like this movie legitimately plays so different to me watching it uh, as a 26 year old than it did to me watching it, you know, in my room on my shitty little TV with a VCR built in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and there were so and, many and- jokes that like, I didn't like my parents would laugh and kind of give each other a look and I'd be like, I know that's an I know that's an adult joke, but I don't get like the details of <laughs> yeah. why that joke works. So it's interesting yeah. how differently the movie hits. Just but but it still works the same. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard. It still feels like these are good jokes. This dialogue is believable, and there's something for me as you know an allegedly adult viewer watching this movie. Yeah. Well, it's even small things like whenever the Donkey and Shrek kind of get back together uh, after they're kind of falling out and Donkey shows Shrek. He's like, oh, we can get there in time because I've, you know, I've cleared things up with the dragon. Mm-hmm. And whenever he does that, Shrek kisses him and he's like, now watch out, Shrek. No, nobody like a kiss ass. <laughs> it's funny, simple things that's like, again, it, it's choice of dialogue that you would expect to see in a, or hear in a, in a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't think of any time I've heard a Disney movie that was actually like a Disney animated <clears throat> movie have a cussing in it. I don't think that that exists, actually. The yeah. more I think of it. I think you're <coughs> yeah, right. I don't think so. So, in that regard, it's just a lot of the, a lot of the soundtrack choice also is something that like 
I'm surprised they got away with what I assume was a PG-13 rating <laughs> at a time when people were a lot or less, you know, a lot of people were a lot more stringent on what they would let through. I think nowadays people let way more through the PG-13 banner, but uh, oh, for this, this movie? movie definitely skirts around it. I mean, this one was PG, I think. Oh, really? I'm going to check that out real quick. I, I think that's the thing is like, especially for the time, like it was a very... I remember that being a thing because my mom was extremely like orthodox about movie ratings. Like if there was, it was a straight up argument about if a Star Wars movie was PG 13, like would I be allowed to view it? Um, But yeah, I remember that being like kind of a thing of like my grandma, uh, my grandmother wouldn't want me to watch this movie around her because she's all like, you know, Christian and super like, you know, oh, I don't want you watching that stuff. It's a bad influence, but it's like, it's PG, it's for kids, but. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that works out so well go ahead, out of, just out of curiosity i googled disney animated movies with cuss words ratatouille says hell one time <laughs> so, so that, that's a movie i i mean it's a movie that, that's a word i almost wouldn't even i mean personally yeah. i don't think of it as a cuss word. No, i mean i don't either i'm just saying that like that's as far as it seems that they'll go because like cars says hell twice yeah mm. yeah no, dude, if you looked it up and were like, uh, apparently Cars 3 says fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they got away with their one. They kept it G. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, man. Well, I'm looking at an IMDb list, and apparently, oh my God is a cuss word because The Incredible says that three times. So, mm. you know. <laughs> really? Well, you got to think. You got to think when The Incredibles came out. That wasn't the point in time where parents were still losing their mind that kids were liking Harry Potter, despite the fact that it was witchcraft and yeah. wizardry. See, like so. Josh, my parents were really strict as well, but like, yeah, that was the one thing that even they were like, "That's dumb." Like, you can watch Harry Potter. <laughs> witchcraft isn't real. Like, I, my, I we know that. So, <laughs> that's my good. mom would do the thing. My dad didn't give a damn, but my parents were divorced by the time I was six, so it didn't matter. Well, yeah. Uh, but my mom was the kind of person who would only care once it started affecting how someone might view her. Right. So it's like if she thought she was going to be in a large enough group of people who may have thought – it never happened, thankfully. But if they may have been like, Harry Potter is the devil because it's witchcraft, she'd probably – like if it was enough people around her and she thought it was going to affect the way people thought of her, then she'd be like, yeah, you can't watch that because that's witchcraft. But then she'd let me watch it and just be like, don't tell people that I'll let you watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I say my so, parents, I mean my mom and stepdad. My dad didn't care. I was watching horror movies when I was like seven at his house. <laughs> same. I was play. I was seven years old playing Grand Theft Auto yep. Three. Like, let's do this. Same man. thing. <laughs> and my mom would conversely, throw the away. <laughs> dude, my grandmother threw away a cassette copy of All Dogs Go to Heaven because one of the dogs was too suggestive. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was because it portrayed hell. <laughs> I think Dogs that might do have been not a little go to bit too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, man, uh, I don't know. It's it's so weird because my dad's kind of a goofball, and like he, he, all the stuff that we grew up watching, like he he'd laugh at all the Shrek stuff too. And it's just like thinking back to all the weird cartoon things that did have over the top overt references. It was always interesting to see my dad back there cackling when my mom would be like, you shouldn't watch this. Like, my dad would <laughs> let me watch South Park with him. Yeah. I was six. <laughs> this is right before they got divorced. <laughs> Might have been the reason they got divorced. <laughs> no, it wasn't. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, it, it's so weird that move that media can exist in that in between but i was going to bring that up too i think that's a good takeaway from this movie is that it exists for both ways somehow Mm -hmm. where it can feel like it's an adult movie that also kids can watch but it feels like it's a kid movie that adults can watch like it it somehow is both without having to overly step into one or the other it just feels natural Mm -hmm. to both people watching it it never feels like you're really missing anything out and that's uh, and that's cool because, like you said, there may be the occasional thing that it doesn't stop you from enjoying or even understanding what's going on. But you'll be like, "Well, they looked at each other, so clearly something happened that I didn't understand." But there's enough going on in any given scene. Kind of touching back on uh, Chris's thing, where it's like there's enough going on in any given scene for pretty much any age group and any type of humor that you're going to find something to enjoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well. Uh, one of the things we didn't talk about, which I think we'd be remiss not to talk about, is how banging the soundtrack is yes. and also how well used the soundtrack is. So I've referenced this in uh, other movies, discussions that we were talking about, how I think I think it was actually Belko experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> we, hadn't, we hadn't brought it up this whole episode, but I really do think it was Belko experiment talking about the song choice on the radio. Mm, yeah. and how it you know it was sold to us as though it was just like the the actual song yeah. that would have happened to be playing on the radio which i like that uh yeah. but i talked about how i really like when movies when they do it right can use actual pop culture songs that people would know outside of the movie and still do it effectively and add to the scene with those music while also knowing when to punch into their own actual soundtrack that's originally created for it. Mm -hmm. And I think Shrek is the absolute king of that. It does so many great things with its song choices, despite the fact that we all know the songs. I mean, dude, I'm not... I to this day when I was watching it that whenever they're going through the scene where the the wedding thing is is setting up and happening and you see Shrek going off and being by himself and mm-hmm. Fiona preparing for the wedding she clearly doesn't want to be in and it's it's that rendition of Hallelujah, yeah, it's it's bone chilling and it's not just because of the song it's because of the song as it relates to the movie and the scene at hand yeah but. One of the crazy awesome things about Shrek is how it pulls in its own little refrain that it kind of keeps coming back to and building on almost every time you hear it. It goes a little bit further and does something just a little bit different. But that little thing from the very beginning that you hear when they first see Fiona, I call it Fiona's theme, but it's kind of like the Zelda games, how you normally have, you know, Soraya's theme or Soraya's song. It's like it's every time it's normally in a crucial moment with everybody that's involving Fiona. You hear that little, ah, Ah, mm-hmm. it's awesome it's beautiful it really sets the tone and it has a mysticism about it that works in every scene that they're trying to use it in while also feeling like that song even from the first time we hear it is kind of hiding something that in the end we see as that song flourishes out and blooms into its full-blown self you know what i mean yeah that it's awesome and i love how the music plays and that specifically that's that's essentially as far as i can tell the only actual original soundtrack in this whole movie but they use it right when it matters and because of that it ends up sticking out so much more and i i find myself just having that in my head often because it's very beautiful but it's also curious and it drives you to think it's it's really interesting i like it a lot yeah yeah that one always stuck with me uh real quick though how dare you leave out the married men's original theme song i mean come on fair <laughs> fair 
but that was essentially a parody song. Yeah. It is still original. <laughs> Break it down. Weird Al would have a lot to say to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would. Um, there is something else we haven't talked about if we're ready to move on from music. Go ahead. Unless anybody else um, wants to talk about how amazing the soundtrack is. I just want to quickly throw out that there... Um, the way they use uh, Smash Mouth's cover of I'm a Believer at the end, but then it goes yeah. into like a... I, I don't know if they had like an in-house band just create additional music to like extend the song or how they actually did it as far as the instrumental, but having the cast singing along and doing all that like cool shit on top of it, like that could have been cheesy and it is cheesy, but it's also a fucking banger. Like that whole outro to the movie is like fucking great. It's super endearing. I constantly think about the as soon as it came on, it's the part where I hit in. I was like, I gotta sing it now. Whenever Donkey's sitting there hitting the keyboard, it's like, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but it's so good. I mean, they make it feel like a James Brown song. It's just got this fuckload of energy, and it's it's I don't know. It still holds up. I love it. Also, Eddie Murphy is a fantastic singer. He uh, is. He's released records. People sleep on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really, really good. <laughs> he does have my favorite song line of the movie where it's like, Look, you love this woman, don't you? Yes. You want to hold her? Yes. Please. Her. Yes. Then you got to, got to try a little tenderness. The chicks love that romantic crap. <laughs> you want to hold her? Squeeze her. Please. <laughs> then you got to, got to show a little tenderness. <laughs> that dude. Oh, it's so quotable. good. Um. So yeah, I, I'll transition to what I was going to say is, what do you think this movie is with Chris Farley? Mm. I was going to ask if anybody had, I'm glad you brought it up, because I was going to ask who all knew about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the fucking uh, recording. It's good. Yeah. It's a different, I, it's a completely different vibe. It is. I think. I feel like Shrek comes off as kind of less of a, uh. I don't know what the right word is, but like he just comes off as more of an asshole, you know, to me. I think it's in the Scottish accent in the Chris too. Farley stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Kind of softens the blow because he sounds funny. <laughs> Sorry to the Scottish people. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, definitely something so about. Go ahead. We, have we all heard the Chris Farley? I haven't. I didn't even know about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So originally, before his passing, Chris Farley was supposed to be Shrek. Yeah. Uh, and there is a rough animation uh, where it's like outline sketches that they were doing where he voiced along, which is what they typically do. Um, and mm. he did not get to finish before he passed. The, it I, I, It's hard to say because the scene in question is the scene out on the rock uh, when it's Fiona in the uh, you know little <laughs> Jesus cave, as I call it, <laughs> every time I watch the movie. Um but when they're sitting up looking at the scars, uh, the stars around the campfire and they're kind of talking and you kind of see Shrek hit his most vulnerable state at the movie so far. Mm-hmm. And the delivery is, it's, it's interesting. It does change the tone of the movie. I don't know it's in, if it's entirely, but it does show a lot about how a voice can carry things differently because I actually do think Mike Myers delivery in that scene and, and what they're talking about and it, the dialogue changed a little bit because of the change but um i think it does what it needs to do and i think it sells the moment and sells the vulnerability and sincerity of the moment but there's something about chris farley's take on it that feels like someone who has been more guarded all along 
and almost like in the way that's like the back of the voice is kind of choking to want to get this information out and kind of say these lines yeah. in a way that feels like someone who's finally having to say something out loud that they never wanted to have to admit. Yeah. And I don't know how that would change the tone of the movie as a whole, because I think it's still kind of true to the version we got. I just think that the performance may have been uh, maybe a little bit more haunting maybe mm. it, it definitely in, in in terms of thinking about chris farley's passing if he were able to complete this and this was kind of his one of his last swan songs as it were but yeah. i also wonder if it would have done the movie as well because I, it's weird but i think mike myers scottish accent as weird of a change up as it was and the way they did it it's kind of iconic you know it is i mean i i think it's a mix because like I haven't watched that scene in a while, the animatic of uh, Chris Farley's recording, but mm. a thing that really stood Trek's out to character me... character design was way different at that point, too. It was, yeah. Uh, a thing that stood out to me about that was, and, and this could totally just be like me like projecting or assuming, I, I felt like I got a little bit of like Chris Farley kind of getting personal about it because he didn't get many opportunities to to play serious roles, and I feel like... He would always play into it, and he seemed to more or less be a good sport about it. But I think there was always that expectation of like, all right, Chris Farley's here. He's going to be crazy, and he's going to smash some shit. And I, I got the impression in that recording that, like, I don't know, it just felt like it was carrying something real from the actual person, not just him playing a character of, like, I want to be known as more than just this one note, like, you know, not just what people expect of me, but I want to be you know, more nuanced. I want to be a more fully fleshed out, like, you know, I want to be able to express these things and not have people not want that of me. Um, yeah. It, well, it kind of, cause you know, the, the, the scene wasn't completely changed. It's going back to that kind of ogres or have layers. And just because you see one thing on the outside doesn't mean that the inside reflects that. So it definitely would be fuel for the fire in a sense. If, uh, if that was what, and I, and I do think that that's kind of part of the refrain that that you hear in Chris Farley's delivery is it has to be tying into something real. Yeah. Um, it just feels, it feels it's, it's honestly, it's really hard to describe, but it just feels a little bit more genuine. I do think Mike Myers delivery of how they change that scene feels genuine and sincere. Yes. But not quite in the way that hits his home as that little animatic did. So, yeah, I agree. And I mean, for what it's worth, <laughs> despite the, uh, the rumor that seems mostly true of Mike Myers having recorded like most or all of his dialogue and then realizing he wanted to do it in a Scottish accent and having to re-record a fuckload of dialogue. <laughs> um, maybe that's what happened in the intro. They yeah. didn't have enough time to finish re-recording. <laughs> maybe, um, fucking, I forget who it is. Um, <coughs> one of the dudes in charge said that it cost them like $4 million to, uh, to make all those changes. And I think that came down to animation, just like having to like resync the performances and all that stuff. But for what it's worth, yeah, like Shrek's voice is, uh, pretty iconic. And I mean, I I think people who know Mike Myers know that he's done the Scottish accent in a variety of roles, like his, uh, his character. And so I married an ax murderer, but like, it it still feels unique and fitting to the character in a way where it's like you hear it and you're like that's Shrek's voice. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, how did you feel about the Chris Farley thing since you brought it up? Um, I think I, I just think it, we would be watching two different movies because, like I said, I think the Chris the Chris Farley version sounded like more of a dick, and I think that would have made Shrek abrasive, and mm-hmm. it would have been a little bit harder to watch personally. I think there's a quality to the way that Mike Myers does it that makes Shrek a lot more likable, and it might be like Blake said the accent, but I just think. The way that that Chris Farley thing comes off is just Shrek is, just does seems mean. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, but I guess I kind of take what I always kind of when I first saw that and kind of heard that the way I took it was like the redemption would be that much more when you see a man who comes off and sounds a little more crass and has sounds a little bit more like he's lived what he's talking about than Mike Myers does. I mean, not saying that Mike Myers doesn't sound like that. It's just it's different so i feel like when you have that person who seems a little more closed off and a little more like an asshole and then you still give them the same character arc in the long run i think it maybe makes that final redemption that much sweeter Mm, so i don't know how much it would really make it feel like a completely different movie as much as it would change the tone of some scenes enough to kind of make you think huh shrek's an asshole but then that assholeness would feel even better when you finally see Shrek give it all up and change for the better. Yeah, I can see that. That's fair. It's a fair argument. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I, just, I mean, uh, Chris, uh, Blake, you should go check out that scene. Just yeah. as an interesting thing, like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're a big Chris Farley fan, uh, but it is a, it's an interesting thing to see um, while we're on the topic of that. I think that that's actually a Joe Dirt trivia thing that apparently a Joe Dirt was originally supposed to include. <laughs> Um, Chris Farley and they were supposed to be brothers mm. um, who knows I know I've heard that enough times um, so there's probably a little bit of smoke where that fires at and if you think about it Joe, uh, David Spade and Chris Farley did pretty much every movie together yeah. at that point in time uh, alright right, well I think that wraps up this very long and winding and odd but fun discussion <laughs> <laughs> of, of uh shrek i'm really glad we chose the movie if for nothing else just or i chose the movie rather even if for nothing else than to just have an excuse to sit down and watch it <laughs> yeah. for the 101st time um but also glad that all of you guys enjoyed it so uh unless you guys want to throw anything else in this uh proverbial fire before we start to kind of kindle it down then uh i am good let your cinders burn. Wait, am I am I getting a phone call? Uh, this is, it seems like a spam number. Wait, does anyone know someone from underwater? Aquaman. Oh, hello! It harmed the midweek monitor. No, you don't, bitch! Oh god! Get back! Help! Uh, midweek manatee? Is this you? Oh. Do you know the midweek manatee? Hang on, is this crackhead Mickey? Uh, no, this is a gingerbread man. Oh, <laughs> all right, dude. What's up? I'm sorry. What, what were you Do asking? Do you me? know the midweek manatee? The midweek manatee? The midweek manatee. Yeah. We, we... Listen, you better start talking now. I've got him. I'll rip off his flipper. Oh shit, dude. What? What the fuck? What's your problem? What, what do you ever do to you? Where's the money, dude? This Please is a help. podcast. There's no money. <laughs> 
I heard that you had an audible. You, you know what? Actually, wait, Fuck hang it. on. God, no. He was so young. <laughs> he ate his own gumdrops. <laughs> I choked on a croissant. Next time you'll know to get an audible sponsorship. <laughs> Speaking of money, if you'd like to support the show, head over to <laughs> patreon.com slash. <laughs> okay, I'll see you guys later. All right, bye, I guess. Free the whales. No, this is, gonna be a, this is where it turns into a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. In the arms I of an angel. remember you. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Okay, so how do we end this call? <laughs> we don't end this call. I haven't had human connection in years, man. Uh, all right, well, uh, midweek manatee, I think we've got to get going. Uh, I've got to get to bed and go to work tomorrow. Because you, I at, think, least, uh, cause you I think at least everybody else has got shrimp. stuff going on, okay? Just throw me a couple shrimps. I need to feel alive again. I, I, I will get those uh, next, day, uh, next day watered to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon. Right. Uh, Take care, man. We'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah, all right. Goodbye. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's our that's our word from the midweek manatee. He seemed to like the movie. So, uh, you know, it's time to do what we always do here at the end of the show and uh let's rate this bad boy. What was yeah. uh what would everybody rate it as? I will go last as is tradition it seems in this role. So, I'm going to start with uh Josh. What you what you give it? I give it 4 stars. Bam. That's a pretty good one. All right. Blake Uh, solid three and a Party half. pooper. Um, okay, Chris. <laughs> you, you can <laughs> always tell score. Blake knows he's going to rate it lower than everyone else at the beginning of the show. So it always be, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty good. It was fine. You know, it, it wasn't uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer, but it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, yeah. Uh, Chris, what'd you, what'd you give it, man? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half. I think that's solid. As I've essentially spoiled at the beginning of the show uh this movie can't exist in my mind in a capacity that is not a five out of five so i'm gonna be blake this week and have it be a movie that i know that i love and i have to give it a five because i knew i loved it going in (laughs) and watching it just uh re-cemented that is that is that two weeks in a row for you brett with five out of five movies or is it three I think it it might be three, which means I think I need to start re uh, you know reflecting on why I give things five out of five. But I Brett, guess we I'm, should go ahead and say this is clearly. I'm just th- saying, Brett. If it's a five. Yeah. It's a five. If you give ten in yeah, a row, that exactly. Just means I mean, somebody who you want to consider us like doing, this, they would be like, "This guy only gives five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, five doesn't mean perfect. Five means that I either extremely loved it or yeah. I could watch and it and I think over that's fair I mean or partially both, is that we're obviously. not looking I mean we are looking at it sometimes objectively and mm-hmm. find issues with it but really as a you know as somebody who's just kind of doing this as a fan I, I view it very similar to Blake I mean I, I don't think that anybody should review anything on a score of perfect you know zero to perfect because nothing is perfect it's a, essentially how close it can get you to a feeling that essentially doesn't matter that it's not perfect and I think that we have been smart in choosing some of these movies and this one is clearly folded into a ton of nostalgia and i mm-hmm. feel like i gave enough warning about that so who knows yeah it doesn't matter that we give a bunch of fives it just means that we've watched a, a lot of movies that i really enjoyed if i've been giving them that often yeah i just have to give you a little bit of shit yeah 
I love how you talk. <laughs> That's why I gave him a little bit of yourself, shit. But go on. Yeah, no, give me, give me all the shit. I, I mean, going into it, I, I remember like sitting there watching it, and being like, "Fuck, I'm gonna give this a five And I know I gave Blake shit for this. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is I chose a movie I know I love already. <laughs> and that's most of what blake has been doing like fuck yeah this movie was awesome let's watch it again god damn this is a five (laughs) (laughs) so look now i've been in your hot seat and i understand what it feels like uh because this yeah and i will give you all this shit when we turn into a centipede at the end of the podcast dude you're on the end we get to do the human centipede can I be the one? Can I be the Shotgun. one in the yeah. middle? Speaking <laughs> to, of, dude, next week we're I know watching. that Josh probably doesn't want to fucking watch that, <laughs> but I love that movie. It's actually a good movie. I don't. Yeah, I Which movie? Spoil. Spoiler alert: The Human Centipede. Uh, you're wrong on that one. Human Centipede. Uh, it's it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> really good. No, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, I like it. The two second and third one are atrocious yeah. and not good at all the first one is a legitimately yeah. all good right well movie, that is let's see who is next week's movie choice maybe it's josh that sounds right yeah all right josh uh, well we're back over to you man all right what are we gonna what are we all gonna be put through this next week <laughs> yeah good way to i don't mean it, that okay. in a bad way <laughs> uh-huh yeah that's fine um <laughs> <laughs> what trash what are you picking bro absolute just hurry up. <laughs> drivel am i gonna make you guys I'm just suffer kidding. through um what sjw nonsense okay do you guys want we're watching s- captain marvel next week so. <laughs> <laughs> no we're just watching every quartering video that he made uh, about captain marvel. we're actually just watching through vosh's entire youtube upload history um okay do you guys want a stylish drama thriller kind of thing or do you want a also admittedly pretty stylish uh comedy mm. thriller I'm okay drama. with either. I'm a little more intrigued by stylish comedy. Yeah, I, I agree with Brett. Actually, I'll change my vote. I, I I'm just curious as to what that entails. Like how? I'm not saying it's not happened. Just mm. what is a like? Uh, Pineapple Express. You're uh, picking Pineapple okay, Express. so we are doing Dolomite is my name, <laughs> uh, which is on Netflix, so everyone can watch it there. Um, I've been meaning oh, to watch it since it came out. I've been hyped for very this. Very familiar. This is the one that's yeah, going to the, watch yeah, it. I okay. just never have. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. Yep. All right, cool. Yeah, I will definitely be checking this out. And this is stylish. Mm. Oh, shit. I just remembered that. Oh. It doesn't matter because oh, I won't yeah, be there. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, you can still watch <laughs> the movie if you want to. You know that you're a cinephile, so you'll go. You'll watch it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we could, <laughs> we could call you during the episode. I try to be. Yeah. You can uh, you can be the midweek manatees fill in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure that in case we didn't do it, as soon as you come in, you say that the Belco experiment was a good movie. Uh. And Red Dead Redemption Two is a great game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, one Red of those Dead is true. Two is a bad game. So the Belco experiment is a terrible. And I'm not a liar. So these guys <laughs> very strong opinions on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right. right well good yeah i've actually i remember seeing a trailer for that and thinking that it looked really good so that's going to be fun to watch all right next week if you want to follow along with us check out my name is dolomite on netflix uh pretty easy one i think for most people to get but hey if you don't have netflix bum it off to somebody who does because everybody knows somebody <laughs> <with> netflix <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right 
Well, thank you guys for joining me for another fun discussion. Very weird, though. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting hearing this one edited down. <laughs> yeah, we'll and how much of it too. sticks around. <laughs> but all right, I do have to go and uh, and get ready for work. So again, I appreciate you for joining us uh, for joining me this week, uh, and everybody else who listens to this. We appreciate you for joining us every week. Uh, so I think with that, yeah. Toodaloo. It's time to move this <laughs> off into our ending. So remember that you can find us on social media over on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek. You can find us on Facebook at which is uh, just midweek matinee where we post a bunch of screenshots for movies that we're doing that week. We do some games where you have to guess movies from the emojis. There's a ton of fun stuff you can do that Josh and Blake uh, handle and they're we're so grateful for them doing that because it keeps me from having to worry about it. So thank you guys. Uh, but head over to there if you want to be further involved and follow up with the show outside of just the episodes themselves. Uh, and if you would like to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash Nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to get your name shouted out at the end of every episode that we do as well as episodes early. So Head over there and check that out if that interests you at all. But we are so thankful that you give us your time every week. Uh, and that means we will see you guys hopefully next week. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Ali Valiant, Zachary Sawyer, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B, and most recently, Landis. Thank you all for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. I think there are literally ports well, in the You're a port <laughs> and a harbor. What movie did you guys watch this week? I just got done smoking like eight cigarettes. We watched uh, we watched Shrek. It's a really great movie, man. Yeah, oh, that it. explains the gingerbread man. Yeah, I think he was a little pissed about yeah. you know having to having to go through the emotional trauma of uh, reliving that that scene over and over again. Mm. That makes sense. Every time someone watches it, he has like ghost pains of uh, of the of the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. His PTSD, I mean, but the P stands for pastry. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw him murder one of my friends very violently and then kind of roll away because he didn't have any legs. So he just kind of <laughs> rolled. Oh, shit, and I'm man. like, bro, we're in water. Just use your arms. But he was gone. No, nah, I'm just here talking to you. Uh, you watch Shrek. <laughs> Shrek's a good movie. I've seen Shrek.
Yeah. Oh, did they have uh, did they have DVDs underwater, or uh, how how'd you watch it? Did you uh, did you visit the aquarium maybe, and they had it on the TV there? Yeah. Well, when I was uh, when I was doing my stint at SeaWorld, uh, they showed it on the big screen. Oh man. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to go through that at SeaWorld, man. I mean, it's cool mm. that you get to watch a really good movie. What did you think of the movie? Did you like it? Yeah, it was okay. Uh, uh, it's it's hard to concentrate on movies like that, you know, people walking out free in the wilderness when you're doing a bid for, you know, Finned robbery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which SeaWorld was this? Was this a San Diego location? Uh, I don't know. They just hit us a bunch. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. That's okay. They're bad people at SeaWorld. Um. This episode <laughs> brought to you by SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> you a fine motherfucker. Won't you back that ass up? Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink care of the funny farm.